All right, you bunch of yahoos, strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity, uh, where we are here to entertain, offend, defend, and anyone and everyone is merely our simple minded opinions but rest assured you're going to be infused with a lot of masculinity so if you can't handle it maybe you better get out of the kitchen or go put your band pants on and tune on in normally i would be uh uh introducing my other dashingly handsome mustache man don the predator fry but don is a little under the weather at this time so i ask our listeners to keep don in their thoughts and prayers and hopefully we'll have don back in no time at all cussing and and just being the 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 oreo codger that he is but as the old cliche the show must go on and we have a special guest this evening a man that has held many different credentials you know, uh, real name being Charles Wright, but uh, he's kind of been known as, you know, Papa Shango, the Kama, Kama Mustafa, the and the Godfather being probably, I don't know, uh, Charles, would you say, which one of those roles was one of your funnest roles that you ever portrayed? Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I, I've been looking forward to talking with you guys. And uh, so thanks for having me. But come on, man, by far, by far, The Godfather is my favorite. And it's my favorite because it is me. I'm not pretending to be an ultimate fighter. I'm not pretending to be a voodoo man. I'm not pretending to be, you know, a militant. I'm being myself. And what you <laughs> see with The Godfather was just me being me. <laughs> no, you, again, every time I see you getting ready to go out there for that, they could, you were just, you were having, you were just smiles from ear to ear, your ear. I mean, you're like a kid in a candy store. I mean, you always, <laughs> they always, they hooked you up with beautiful women to put on your arms and the outfits that you wore out there. I mean, it was, you were styling and profiling and just, and having the time of your life. I, I could see that every time. But you know, the crazy thing about it, bro, is that was all my wife's idea. All of it was my wife, the gold the outfits, the hats, the colors. All I did was the silly part, the entertaining part. The rest was my wife. Wow. Well, it's good to have it. And an in-house advisor like that, consulting with all your wardrobe, mannerisms. Wow. She, I she know. I was very, and the cool thing about it is we're still together today. No, that's, well, again, we'll talk about different pros and cons even about the industry. Being a married man involved in uh, the professional industry is a tough aspect on Ooh. a family life. You know, this is my third wife. Okay, I went through two wives during wrestling. We've been married this time. I've been married twenty three years. So, wow, I think we're gonna, that's a long 20, time. Excuse me, twenty. It'll be twenty three years this September. So, yeah, okay. I think we're gonna last. Yeah, no, you, you, you've got some time invested there. I was going to say, if the, the only way they guys are split at that point, that, that's called shootout at the OK Corral. Last last person standing wins all, you know. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to live to 125, but I'm going to be around for a little bit. <laughs> nice. I said before, a man just got to have a dream. A man's got to have a dream. My, my question to you, first off, is let, let's 
let's go back in, in, in the younger years of, of Charles. What, like being in, in high school that, what types of sports were you involved in? Were you involved in sports? Believe it or not, I was a basketball player. I okay. did not play football in high school because my mom would not sign. Back then, you had to have waivers. They had to sign permission slips for you to yeah. play. I don't know if it's like that today. And my dad would sign it, but my mom refused to sign it. She says, you're going to get hurt. She said, play basketball. So even though I didn't want to play basketball, I played basketball. Now, hear this. In 1979, I was I, I played ball in Northern California. In 1979, I was Northern Basketball, Northern California Basketball Player of the Year in 1979, my, my senior year. I was recruited. I went to college for one year. All right. And I got a basketball scholarship, but I'm playing, I'm playing ball, but I wanted to be a football player. So I started lifting weights. And when I graduated high school in 79, I'm 6'5, 185. Year and a half later. I'm 6'5", 245, 250, because I started hanging out with the football players, doing football drills, lifting weights, and my body just really, it just, it soaked it in. And then, uh, they, <laughs> so I played basketball, and then the basketball, the football coach from St. Mary's went to UNR, and there was a coach by the name of Chris Alt there. And they said, hey, we got this basketball player who's now benching over 400 pounds. He's, he can still dunk a basketball and he's running a 4840, but he's never played football. So they flew me to Nevada, Reno, right? UNR. They put a basketball in my hand. Now I'm, you know, now I'm 275, 280. And now I'm pushing some weight and I'm dunking the basketball this way. And I'm oh. dunking it because I was a basketball player. They gave me a full ride scholarship when I had never, ever played tackle football besides playing with my friends in the park. I had never played with a helmet. I've never had gear on. And uh, they made me an offensive tackle. And within a year, I was starting. Wow. Well, a year and a half, my sophomore, junior year, I was starting and never played football in my life. That's, uh, do it. That's an incredible story right there, Charles, because I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Wow. I, Isn't that I, crazy? I just, no, that, that that's absolutely crazy. I mean, I was I loved I love football. I love football so much. I played all through high school, and I mean, I loved it so much. I, I but I knew that I knew that if I wanted to really excel, I had to take something else because in football you have to rely upon ten other players to do their job exactly. along with yours. You could you could be this mass destructive type person, but somebody over here misses the block, misses the tackle, and you lose, the whole team loses. So I end up choosing the sport of wrestling just because the definition of wrestling is a team sport based upon individual individual performances. The team can lose, but I can still go on. And that's why I, I chose the sport of wrestling. Yeah. But, but Frank at the that time, makes Frank, yeah, Frank Cush was the head coach at that time. And Frank Cush used to come and watch like the home wrestling matches. And then he would corner me back, uh, you know, back by the locker room or something like that. And he's like, Severn, you're an animal. He goes, I see linebacker written all over you. I'm like, coach, you got me pegged. I go, I'd tear my heart out and I'd give it to you. But do you have 10 other players 
that'll do the exact same thing. Then when he, he like, when he paused, I'm like, oh, that spoke volumes to me. I go, never pause, <laughs> never pause. Well, you made the right decision. You made a good decision. Now, what, what I think position? so, but you can't do the, you, you can't do do over. So it's kind of like, oh, you got to live with your, your decisions. What, what position did you play? So in basketball, you said in 79, you were the uh, state, the best player. I was a forward in, in uh, I was a small forward. I'm only six, five, yeah. but I was also a high jumper and uh, I high jumped. I only high jumped till my soft junior year. And the, the, I think at that time that the record was six, nine in high school back then in the late seventies. And I got up to six, 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 seven. And then I concentrated more on basketball. Yeah, but yeah, wow. I mean, I was a leaper, dude. So did you guys I, win I, any any championships wish, while you were playing? Excuse me. Did you guys win any cha championships while you were playing? We were northern. Yes, we won the SCBEL. We won the CCS. We won the Shaughnessy playoffs. And if you're from Northern California, you go, I don't know. This is a long time ago. I don't even know if they have these still be still. But yeah, man, uh, we were really good. I wish that I would have played football in high school. Because I would have been a pro, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have been an offensive tackle. I would have been a defensive end or something because, you know, offense and the right tackle was an easier shot to learn than the left tackle. What but position? if I had it to do over again, I would have been a defensive end. There you I would go. have been a defensive end or a tight end. There you go. I was, yeah, wasn't if you like offense. Well, basketball, a lot of, you know, basketball players are the best tight ends when they transition. But I, I can, I dude, I can play, see you. But... I can see you causing havoc in the middle, though. You look oh good, man, you know. I had to believe me. That's what I wanted to play football, but my mom says you're going to get hurt, and that's what happened. My junior year, I got my knee blown out, and uh, it was my medial collateral, my anterior cruciate. And back then, man, they didn't have the technology that they have now. I mean, back then, it just ripped you open and you know fixed you up. So after that happened. Things kind of changed for me. I started hanging around strippers and working in strip clubs. I got a tattoo. They started calling me Bear. I started drinking Jack Daniels. You know, things kind of changed at that point. To where I hate to say this, you, you, but you my senior you. year, I got thrown out of I got thrown out of school because you took this basketball player that was crazy anyway, and I played basketball. I believe it. In my senior year, I averaged twenty points and twenty rebounds a game. And that was only because I was tenacious and the other players didn't play like football players. I played tenacious. I wanted to block your shot. I wanted every rebound because I could jump so high. I had a lot of dunks, but I was more, I like defense. Man. I, I used to love digging people up and I'd D up centers and stuff, but yeah, man. Uh, but you see what happened. I got hurt. My mom was right. And then my life took a total, and then I start fighting. I start getting in a lot of fights and this stupid knucklehead stuff and bodyguard and strippers. And I ended up in Vegas working at strip clubs. Only thing good came from it is I became uh, owner of a, uh, one of the owners of Cheetahs here in Las Vegas, which we sold four years ago. But yeah, things kind of took a, a turn for me when I got into that. And little did you know, you were already working on The Godfather. <laughs> I still can't believe that you said you said by your junior year you actually were like you were being like a bouncer or something like that at bars. At yeah, your junior. Year. I was working in bars when I was I was twenty years old. I was bouncing, and then I was working. I can't remember the name of this strip club, 
And, but then the girls would work on the side on the weekends and stuff, and they'd pay me to drive them and make okay. sure they were all right and drive them back. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did okay. that. So, so, so you say that 20, because I, I, I was doing the math and thinking, if you're, if you're back then and you said you're doing this by your junior, I'm thinking, you're not even a drinking age here. And I usually got to be, yeah. even to go into a strip club, you got to be a drinking age or stuff like that. I think I was 20, 20 years old when I, 19, 20, when I started going into strip clubs. Wow, because they, I mean, uh, they, I just looked at you and your sheer size ago. Oh, bro. I, on your way, sir. On your way. Now, then, by then, I was into powerlifting. And uh, I had a, I got up to an 18.5, almost got to 1900 total. But my best was my bench, man. I was like a 570 bencher. Yeah. I was just, I was, I always big chest. I was a big bencher. And then I started just doing bench press contests. And I would do the steroid free one because I didn't do steroids and I couldn't compete. I, if I put, if I competed against the guys that did steroids, I maybe, because I was super heavy at that time, you know, it was 275 and super heavies. I was like 305 and to go against the, the guys that were on the shit, I couldn't, they, they were doing 600, 650, but I would win if I went to drug free repeats, I'd win because they were only doing 500 and I was doing like, you know, 580 or whatever. What about like putting on any of the uh, the sleeves and stuff like that? Did you ever do We didn't do that? that back then. Back oh. then, what we did, what did we do? When we squatted, we had uh, disc, uh, discus, the shot putters had these special shoes they used. And we used to squat with those. When we pulled, we pulled in uh, like ballerina shoes. They were just like slippers. We pulled with our bare feet. And when we benched, we had a powerlifting belt. But we didn't, back then, there was no suits and all that shit. There was power bars, 100-pound plates, and uh, you'd wrap your wrist. You'd wrap your wrist with the uh, the knee wrap stuff that you wrap your knees with. Yeah, like the but there was no, You did it. And then you had a, uh, like a wrestling-type suit, but it wasn't a powerlifting suit. It was just like a wrestling suit, a singer. When I watch like powerlifting competitions, it, it looks like there's, there's three guys trying to stuff one oversized guy inside of these power suits that they could – Jeez, oh, beat the guy can't breathe. He's, he's he's walking like this. His arms are out here like that. I mean, it's like going. You, he, it, it, it's easy, I would think, to, to add an, an extra 10, 20 pounds or or a lot more because you could probably add hundred. I think yeah. you could add a hundred pounds that way. I couldn't imagine doing something. And I'm not I'm not here knocking the modern day. I mean, the, the numbers are bigger. I, I, I want to say that I I don't remember. I think Shane McMahon. I think I think we got 595, but we didn't weigh it out. I think we got 595 one time when Shane actually spot me at 595 here in Vegas. But it wasn't weighed out. So it could have been 600, it could have been 575, but because we didn't weigh it out. But I mean that that's steroid free, man. That was a big No, bit. no, that to me, that's super impressive right there. When you say that's on just raw ability, oh I'm whew, that was uh yeah, be, being an amateur wrestler, it was to me, it was all about the pulling strength. See, football is all that that power explode that out. Yeah, but for wrestling, it's like lap pull down, seated poses. These are singles, these are doubles, these are cradles. You're, you're, anything to think about lap pull downs, seated poses, upright rowing, and then working quads and things of that nature. So, you know, because when I, I, you know, when I went to Arizona State, you know, uh, I, I took a weightlifting class so I could learn how to design very sport specific weightlifting programs for the sport of wrestling. It was a football coach 
that that was running it. And I all the whole program, I thought, okay, this is all good for a football player. I just need to tweak it just a little bit. But it, you know, it just it helped awakening the brain in me towards like, okay, all football related, change some of the more dynamics that's gonna work there for sport wrestling. Let's go, baby. And uh, there you go. But till woof, I can't believe that that framework that you were doing, especially when you were you're you're up there with that weight and you're still up there stuffing that basketball. That them oh. coaches, them coaches had to be blown away and just salivate. We oh. need him. That's why I got the full rise colors. But like we got, I was I was a good athlete. I mean, back I was a really good athlete. Wow. So you weren't really into wrestling as you were growing up. You said you were more in the roller derby. Oh, you did a little research, did we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know this one at all. <laughs> Growing up in Northern California, the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, Sunnyvale. Um, back then in the 70s, roller derby was bigger than wrestling in Northern California. And at the Cow Palace, wrestling would draw half a house. Roller derby would be sold out. And so when I was young, we'd go see. Now, I knew Rocky Johnson, Ray the Crippler Stevens. Kinji Shibua, Haystack Calhouns. I knew the names, but we followed you know, wrestling because we were all 18 years old, 17. You'd go get a beer at the Cow Palace, drink beer, yell it. It was like wrestling. And so I was never, ever, I never followed wrestling, ever. Wrestling kind of came and grabbed me. I didn't grab okay, wrestling. No, they kind of grabbed me. But but the roller derby that you're talking about right now, was that basically professional wrestling? Same thing. Okay, same so that, terminology, you got the, the same type of you know, they're whipping around spots, uh, baby faces, heels, spots, okay. everything, go over time, shine, all that stuff is the same as wrestling, exactly the same. Wow, <laughs> wrestlers used to say, Well, uh, why are you wrestling? They used to say, Because I can't roller, I can't roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> In this early 70s, man, no, roller derby, derby was, was big, big. In, in the Bay Area. Yeah, it was a big thing. I remember watching it because, I mean, I was I grew up in Arizona, but I, I saw it on TV, and they never really had something like that where we could go to the rink and watch it. But I remember love, I loved oh, watching dude, it on we'd, TV. We'd have awesome. we'd drink and have some beers and yell yeah, and so that was your So that was your weekend. You'd be like, go on the roller rink, and we are going to watch some. Yeah, oh, and then the, dude, the, girls, I, I, the girls were crazy, too. I remember watching the girls go at it. Oh, the girls were it was great it was great it was a fun time like you said wrestling found you right and that was from what um the over the top movie was being filmed yes and in- they were filming the movie over the top it was a sylvester stallone quote. um what's his name scott norton i'm sure dan yeah. knows him yeah uh, i've yeah, never don met Ruffin. scott norton don, I met him once. he don was in a lot with scott in japan a lot of guys that weren't big names in wrestling, they were extras in that movie. They would come to the bar and, dude, I'm just fucking, boom, I'm just jacked. I'm 320 pounds, drinking a bottle of Jack a day, pizza wings, picking up cars. I was just a monster, all tatted up, riding a Harley. And they're like, dude, you should become a wrestler. I swear this is what I said. I don't want to do that phony ass shit, right? I don't want to do that phony shit. And some this is, I swear, this is what happened. So they said, well, you ever hear of a guy named Bam Bam Bigelow? And I'm like, yeah, the dude with the tattoos on his head. They said, well, he made over a million dollars last year. And I went, how much? Wrestling? Hey, hey you, you're like, I like going, do go on, do go on. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Me got wrestling. Made, and so and, uh, got I, made, 
I made a call to Larry Sharp. Back then, there was no cell phones and, and Instagram and social media. So there was no way unless you took a picture and sent it to somebody, you know, Pony Express, they wouldn't know what you look like. So Larry Sharp at the Monster Factory, he says, if you fly yourself out here, I will put you up and we'll take a look at you. Well, when he seen me get off, the, when I got to the airport, he seen me and he's just like, I seen it in his eyes, man. He's like, oh, shit. And so I worked a deal with him and uh, I trained. Here's the sad part, though. I mean, I don't know what a normal training would be, maybe six months to a year, maybe. Right. Dude, I wasn't there two months. And the whole time I'm there, me and Larry Sharp, God rest his soul, we're going out chasing women. We're drinking. We're in the clubs. I'm not even I'm not even going to wrestling school. I, I really was. I was hanging out at night, drinking, partying, picking up girls. And uh, Jerry Lawler, he comes through and he sees me and he goes, hmm. So, I mean, I was making more money in the strip club than he offered. I think he said, we'll pay you 500. This is like 1988. He says, we'll pay you $500 a week. We'll pay for you to get you out here to Memphis. We'll pay for your hotel while you're in Memphis. We want to do like a two-month program with Jerry Lawler. And so uh, Jerry came down. I got in the ring with him. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I knew how to lock up and throw a punch. And so I got in the ring with Jerry, and he goes, I can work with you. So when we went to Memphis, Jerry, my very first match ever, no practice. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I didn't go to school 10 times. No practice, no nothing. My very first match ever was against Jerry the King Lawler on a Monday night in Memphis, and I went over. So my very You're first match, me. I went, he, he even put you over. He put me first over. First match. Now there was there was there was fire and all type of bullshit, but I he put me over. Wow, incredible! Very first match. That's awesome. And didn't know, <laughs> didn't know shit, didn't know idiot. I knew how to lock up. That's all I know. Oh, I knew how to do a drop down toe for some reason. That's it. O only because you probably watched it, right? <laughs> No, I think I might have been there that day sober, you know, <laughs> and then uh, things and then I, when I got done with that program with Jerry, they didn't know what to do with me. So they said, huh, we're going to bring this tall redheaded kid in here to work with you. He's been in the business a little longer than you, who turned out to go. His name's Mark Calloway and he wrestles by Master of Pain. So me and Mark had a match. And it was on my part, it was so mind you i'm a biker back then i'm like a real biker and i'm used to dealing with these big old white dudes that are a little bit racist and i'm quick to hit i'd rather just knock you out and then talk about it later you know but i'm not going to be taking no bullshit so i see taker and i'm like oh here's another one of these motherfuckers but i'm like but he don't have no tattoos he don't seem to ride a bike so so we had this match where he ended up cracking me over the head as hard as he could with a chair and telling me we could do this the easy way or we could do this the hard way. From, we had that match. After that, they made us a tag team. And from that day in 1988, he's been my closest best friend to this day. And, and your name was Soul Taker at that time. Right? I was Soul Taker and he was Master of Pain and they called us Death Express. We weren't together long because Taker went to Japan. When he came back from Japan, I went to Japan. When I came back to Japan, he went to WCW. 
when I got back from there, I went to Germany and worked with Owen Hart, Chris Benoit, Fit Finley, Dave Taylor, um, Razor Ramon. We're all in this. So I was there for eight months. We worked in it for a bit. Otto Vons in Germany, in, in Austria, Graz, Seaborn, and Bremen, Hanover, Dalton. All right. And so when I get back, Taker's in WWF now. So he's like, dude, let's get you a tryout. So I got a tryout in Arizona State. They called me Sir Charles because Charles Barkley was playing there then. And they wanted to put some heat on me. And Vince hired me. And he goes, you're hired. He says, but you got a body of a monster, but you got a baby face. He goes, I got to do something with your face. He goes, I don't need baby faces. I need heels. And so um, maybe a couple months later, he called me and says, Charles, I want you to go rent the movie Live and Let Die. There's a voodoo character in there, the James Bond film. He goes, we're going to knock off of that. He goes, and most importantly, I want you to learn that laugh. <laughs> that laugh. And uh, that's what happened. That's, what I, that's how we got Papa Shango. Bar Baron Samdini, wasn't it something like that? Baron, it was. It's either Baron Samidi or Baron Samadai. Some, oh, his name, yeah, the movie. In the movie, it's either Baron Samidi or Baron Samadai. Some people yeah. pronounce it. Yeah. And and then I chose the name Papa Shango. Papa Papa being a surname, and Shang. It's actually Shango, but Shango. I didn't want to say Shango because it sounded like Papa Shango. It sounded country, and I didn't want to sound Papa Shango. So I made it Papa Shango, but the real is Shango, and he is the keeper of the grave. Yeah, a lot of research went into that character. Yeah, you look like you're really into all the spells and the all the all the voodoo, oh, shit. I was the voodoo you were casting, and the, and you remember because I remember growing up watching the the Undertaker. I mean, not the the one with the, the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, where you cast the spell on him, and he's uh -huh. in the background in the back after everything. That was before. I wish you would have went to more. <laughs> I'll tell you something else about those times. I am the first person that they ever turned the, all the lights out in the whole arena. I am the first person they ever did that. And they, I would go into my convulsions. The lights would go off and somebody would be lit on fire. And they were so worried they were going to get sued. They were so worried that somebody was going to get hurt. Somebody was going to get robbed. Somebody was going to get molested. That they almost didn't do it. But then after that, they started doing it. But I was the first person. I was the first person for a lot of things, but I was the first person for that, that they actually turned all the lights out in the arena. Wow. I mean, there's so much to this that I'm hearing for the first time. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling me to, to hear, hear all this there, Charles, because, you know, at the time I came to WWF, I mean, it's uh, you were in the nation of domination at, right. at that point in time, and... Uh, that's really all, all I really do about you. Except, I mean, I, I do the, uh, you know, the the Papa Shaga uh, character on top of that. But it was wow! I tell you what, that is it's mind boggling to me. What? Uh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm really impressed you know, with what you did as a high school a basketball player. And then again, to simply just do a trial, never played the sport of football. No, that that never. that is almost. I mean, that is unheard of. I can't even believe there was a there was a there was a football player that played for the Washington Redskins named Charles Mann. Derek Kernard played for the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Sandejas was a place kicker in the league forever. And then a guy named Bob Ham who had a tryout for Dallas. I lived in a room with, with all those guys. And because uh, I actually got kicked out of a dorm for fighting. They put me in the room with all these football and a stipend. 
And uh, those guys taught me. I didn't know how to put on my shoulder pads. I didn't know how to put on anything. Charles, man, they were laughing at me because they I had no idea how to put this shit on. And they were just, they were laughing at me. I, I never did it. Man. <laughs> you know, wow. it's crazy though, Dan. When, when I became com uh, in the Nation of Domination, when I showed up to TV, I was supposed to be Papa Shango. And it was a newer, more menacing, not so cartoonish Papa Shango. And Jerry Lawler, I don't know if you know this. No, I but don't. Jerry Lawler is an artist, like a, a, a real artist. Really good. And Jerry artist. Lawler did my face. He painted up my face. And we took some pictures. And I was all excited. I got in good shape. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do this second Papa Shango run. And they said, hey, take off your face paint. Vince wants to talk to you. I'm like, cool, I'd like to talk to Vince. So take off my face paint. I go in there and Vince just, it goes like this. Charles, change your plans. I'm like, change your plans. He goes, uh, change your plans. We're not going to go with Papa Shango. We're going to call you Kama Mustafa. We're going to put you in the Nation of Domination. You and Farouk are going to wrestle The Undertaker tonight in a handicap match, and you're going over. And you know what I said? Now, this is just me. This is me. You know what I said to him? Because I'd signed a hell of a deal for like three years. And I, you know, I said to him, I said, do I make the same amount of money? And he goes, yes, you do, Charles. I'm like, well, then I'm cool. And then he didn't explain. He goes, we'll get with you. And Ron. I never met Ron Simmons until I knew who Ron was. I watched Ron play football in college. But I didn't know him. So I met Ron and he's like, man, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm the last motherfucker to know when they tell me. They don't tell me. And so he didn't know. And so the next you, week. You sounded just like him. He was, that was he's just a guy that did say oh, a whole I, lot. I, I know. I just give, 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 us a damn, a, give us a damn real quick. I have a, a, a bad <laughs> habit of talking like the person that talks to me. And so <laughs> the next week, right? So the next week, Vince pulls me and Ron into the office. And I swear to you, this is true. And he goes, you guys know who Dwayne Johnson is? And I didn't know who the hell he was. And Ron's like, I'm like, no. And Ron's like, yeah, I know who he is. And so uh, he says, well, listen, he goes, we tried to do something with his, his Samoan part. He goes, and the people really poo-pooed on it. He said, this time we're going to put him in the nation of domination. He goes, when I get people to hate this kid, and this I can remember it like it yesterday, Charles, Ron, when I get people to hate this kid, when I turn him, there's going to be the biggest thing wrestling ever saw. That's what Vince told me and, and Ron. Because he goes, this kid has talent. He goes, I just gave him the wrong gimmick at first. He says, but when I get people to hate him, when I turn him, he's going to be the biggest thing wrestling ever saw. Wow. So it's cool. It's cool to be a part of that. Wow. Yeah, that was, wow. Yeah, the nation was pretty good. I like I like those days. That was that was the best time, the Attitude Era, the with all the with the DX and the nation and all. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. Yeah, th that was my same time frame being there, and it was. Uh, I'll just say, I think I think. Correct me if I'm wrong about this, Charles, but uh, WCW was kicking uh, WWF's butt at that time in the ratings. So literally, WWF was pulling on all the stops, and they were like pushing the envelope on a weekly basis. On all these live I don't shows. remember WCW kicking our ass ever. They might oh, have really? won a couple, okay. but I don't remember them kicking our ass. Well, they, maybe they did. I don't remember. I will tell you this. I know for sure. I'm going to put myself over. I will tell you this for sure. Any segment that The Godfather was on, 
he would win that segment ratings. I never lost, oh, yeah. no matter who they put me up against. When, because you know, back then people are going back and forth. They're like, "Nah, but watch this one." They're, you know, they they go back and forth from WWF to WCW. And when I came on, they would all come to me. So I always I had the certain time spot that they put me in. It was after ten o'clock. It was in the second hour, and it was and they whoever they put me up against, I would beat them every time. Wow. Yeah, no, yeah I, I, your I, segments I, are awesome. Did, did <laughs> didn't WCW offer you a contract? Did had him kind of have like Virgil's? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, or, I, I don't want to seem like I'm sour, and I, I, that it's a, uh, I like to stay happy. Let's, let's just say this: I had worked out a deal with a bunch of guys there, Scott Hall, Kevin Hash, uh, Hogan, and I'd worked out a deal. I don't know really Hogan, and uh, all of a sudden they're not calling me. And I'm calling Scott, who's a friend of mine. He's not calling me back. I'm calling Kev. I'm calling these dudes up. They're not calling me back. I'm like, what the hell's going on? All of a sudden, I turned the TV on and I see Virgil. They were hiring me to be the bodyguard for the WCW and then eventually start wrestling. But I think somebody in that clique um, decided that it would be cheaper to hire Virgil to do what they were they were only going to push that character so far and it would be cheaper to hire Virgil than to pay me what I was asking. Mm. I think Does that make sense? Better. I think it worked out better. I mean, the God. Yeah, it worked out great for me. Yeah. You know, because I wouldn't have let him clown me. They clowned Virgil. I wouldn't have, I yeah. wouldn't have put up with that. Yeah, they did. And then the NWO. And, and Ron, Simmons is, Ron Simmons is the one that told me, you don't want to go there. I'm not going to even get into that. But Ron, Ron told me, you don't want to go there. You, you being from the north, you ain't used to these southern boys. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about these southern boys. He's like, you ain't gonna have a good time there, man. So it worked out best. Good. Well, no, I guess it's, it's all like Ron that definitely gave some good advice. I mean, you, you've had, you've had had fun with with your career and just uh, the different career choices. And uh, what do you do now here, Charles? I mean, do you do still stuff with with professional estate? Do you do appearances, autograph signings? I mean, but do you do any? I, in the last four months, I've had two weekends off. Oh, wow. Doing appearances. Um, I'm still under a Legends contract with Vince. Are you on a Legends contract with him? No. I'm under a Legends. I've been under a Legends contract since 2003, and they send me a lot of places because the attitude error was such a, a overtime that a lot of the guys from that era that are still with us, they're not doing good. They don't look good. And I still look okay. So it's kind of cool to sit in the Godfather in there. Everybody loves the character. And I, I you know, I play the part. So um, I'm pretty busy. I also have my own cannabis line in California with Be Real with Cypress Hill. He owns Dr. Green Thumbs in LA. You know, there's like eight of them. I did a, a collaboration with him where I have my own strain. I have my own pre-rolls. And I, 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 I stay busy. I stay busy. Well, when did, I guess, when did you start getting into that industry? I mean, as an entrepreneur. Um, um, when did I start getting paid? Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Around two, 2000. Uh, I've always been, you know, an enthusiast for it. I mean, just look at my character, roll the fatty for well, Pep Daddy and light that blood up. <laughs> think, about, think about cannabis with me. I'm 27 years old. I'm Papa Shango. I'm taking bike Percocets, Percodans, Somas, 
halcyons. You, you know what all these things are. You've heard of them. I, okay. I, I'm taking be, be, Just to cut you off for one second. When I would go to the locker room at times, because you, you, for whatever reason, WWE was wanting people to get to the arena really early. Uh, so I'm here usually with my duffel bag as a, as a pillow. I'm just laying on waiting to see what's going to happen next. Sometimes just waiting to see, will I even wrestle that night? Because they got the chalkboard out there. And yeah. if someone's promo goes a little too long, or if a match goes a little long, all of a sudden they pull up the eraser, like your match yeah. is gone just like that. So last, most of the time I was waiting around. But I, I watched in locker. It was like everyone's come out there and they pull out the bag and all of a sudden it's like, Bottle at the bottle at the bottle at the bottle being oh. laid on there. And then other guys come out there like going, what do you got? Oh, I could use some of these. I could use some of those. And then I go, you know. Hey, I was part of that. I was part of that. Plus drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels. Okay. But at 27, I went through my first divorce. I'm Papi Shango. And uh, I tried cannabis for the first time in my life at 27 years old. And what I can remember is, Man, my shoulder don't hurt as bad as it did. My back feels a little better. And I went to the gym and my workout, I got the best pump ever. And then we went to like Jack in a Box. It was the best hamburger I ever had in my life. <laughs> and so shortly, will I have a shot of Jack? Yeah. Will I have a beer? Yeah. But I'll take no prescription. I'm getting ready to have a total knee replacement on my knee. So I might have to break down and take some pain pills. But other than that, I will not take any, I won't take any of that muscle relaxers, any of that. I rely on cannabis for all of that. Now, cannabis doesn't work for everybody, nor do I try to get everybody to try it. This is what I tell people. I just tell people what it has done for me. Correct. And for me, it's been the best thing in the world. I never made money in wrestling until I start talking about it. It made me a nicer person. It, it's preserved me, I think. It makes me creative. I'm not the type of guy that gets high and then wants to sit on the couch and eat munchies. I want to go wash the car. I want to go fix this. I want to go clean some guns. I want, I want, I do to just totally. It, actually, it motivates you. I mean, I, I, I'm like, yeah, beyond. I mean, I haven't smoked for an hour and I'm dying to light one up now. Go for it. <laughs> well, it's okay with us if you want By to. Oh, well, since, since you said that. Yeah, I'll, I'll smoke with you. This is, uh, <laughs> This is my strain. This is my bag. Oh, insane, that's awesome. Insane Godfather. That's and awesome. And if you see on the back, I don't know if I can get it. It tested at uh, 32% THC. Wow. That's awesome. What's the, yeah. so it's called Insane Godfather. Is it's the called Insane Godfather. Is it a, is it a hybrid sativa? Indica? Yeah, well, it's, it's more of an indica, but it's an indica hybrid. Okay. It was originally, it was something called cement shoes. And what he did is he, be oh, okay. like, those are good. Be real, uh, it was called cement shoes for yeah, a reason. I've, I've, I've had that, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and so uh, he's like, I've got all these strains. I got to put a name on them. He goes, I want you to find one that you really like. And then we're going to put your name on it. And we'll work out a little deal. And I'm like, or oh, I tried it. I'm like, oh, this is it. The problem is it's a 12-week plant. It's not an eight-week plant. So you lose at least one harvest and not two. Yeah. So usually it's out of a lot of places. As soon as they get it out there, it sells out. But it's really good. But the problem is it's a 12-week plant. There you go. Nice. This just happens to be one of my pre-rolls from that. Cheers. Cheers. Well, you might find this hard to believe there, Charles, but I'm also involved in CBD. 
So, but I, you know, because I, I like all the medical benefits of, of the CBD for what it does for pain reduction, but so many different things that it does on the molecular level as well, whether you take it orally or if you smoke it uh, or, or topical application. So I, I love the, the effects of the CBD oil, especially when, you know, being a wrestler, being an athlete and all other things, you know, you got a short shoulder, rub a little bit of CBD on, you got a banged up knee, rub a little bit of CBD on. So I'm really big about that. It's sort of just pain reduction well, and, and quality of life. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Vince one time about smoking, right? And I'm not going to get into the whole conversation, but at the end of it, he said, Charles, it seemed to make you a nicer person. You always got a smile on your face whenever I see you, man. Every, yeah, Bro, you know, I, I've been through the tough guy, the mean guy, the not the bully. I've never been a bully. I've been through all that. I'm 61 years old. I'm going to enjoy the second half of my life you get much further in this life being nice instead of being mean. And so my meanness has left me 20 years ago over that. So hey, I love your Instagram, man. It's freaking all the videos. And I was cracking up with the one you did with the, you had like the Papa Shango face in the back of you and then comma oh. smoking bowls. <laughs> I was cracking up, man. <laughs> Look at him over there smoking his godfather bud. How about comma? Huh? If Kama had a bud, it'd be the bud that kicked your ass. The bud that, that beat the shit at you. Yes, I know Kama. And if he doesn't come out with a Papa Shango voodoo bud, I'll put a curse on him. Alright? Where's my fucking Papa Shango jacket, huh? I that's just be having fun. No, man. yeah, I, exactly. I, I just be having you can fun. Just tell. You can just tell you're having a good time and and, <laughs> and 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 I appreciate like us fans, we love seeing that stuff, man. It's great. You know, just it makes us happy to see you out there just enjoying life still. I've been blessed. Uh, I always tell people I don't have Undertaker money, but I'm doing okay. Yeah. You know, and I'm just blessed. I'm just I'm really blessed. Well, speaking of the Undertaker, so is it true that you pretty much got him into like into country music, some bikes and tattoos? You pretty much made him, you made the undertaker, right? And he even stole your old, he, he just almost took your name. He just put uh, under in front of well, it. He said it, he said it in his uh, hall of fame speech where he said, besides my father, I've been one of the biggest influences on his life. And then he says, I'm not necessarily a good influence, but uh, <laughs> what I met him, bro, what I met him, he listened to like that long hair music, Motley Crue and those type of bands. Yeah. He didn't listen. I listen to country music, still do. Um, he didn't drink Jack Daniels. He didn't ride a Harley. And so I kind of got him into all that stuff and kind of showed him the way. And uh, I had, there's a lot, I just say this, and he'll say the same thing. There's a lot of me in the Undertaker character. Yep. Yeah. But like he don't smoke. I can, he, he was never a smoker. He, he didn't like smoking. No. So what about, um, do you think that Vince should have let him finish his career undefeated at WrestleMania? I don't think it was up to Vince. I think it was up to Mark. Yeah. Vince ain't going to, Mark's at the level where he's not going to do nothing that he don't think is good for business. Yeah. And he's not going to do it just for the money. He's got more money than God. <clears throat> so, I mean, he did it for a reason. So, 
believe me, he's not that. I was there when he did that, and I was with him that afternoon. But we never tied. I didn't know he was losing, and I was with him that afternoon. We were, you know, playing dominoes, doing our thing, and we never even talked about it. You know, I seen him the next morning, and he was fucked up, and he was on his way to the hospital. And I mean, that match, he really got messed up in that match. Oh yeah. I see him the next morning, and me, I was getting ready. Me and my wife were leaving. And I'm like, "You're all right, big dog." And he's like, "I'll be all right." I'm like, you "Sure, you're all right." And he goes, "I'll be all right. We're going to the doctor now." So, I mean, yeah, he he got he got a real bad concussion in that match early. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So so, I have to bring up the brawl for all since I got both of you here in front of me. Um, that was. You know, the tournament you guys actually fought in the first round. Yeah, well, let, well, let, let me interrupt you one more first there, Tony. No, go ahead. Charles, do you actually do you think that the brawl for all was even a good idea to do something like this in a professional wrestling setting? I think looking back, it wasn't a good idea. You know, I didn't put much thought into it, but looking back at it, it wasn't a good idea because that's not what people wanted to see, and it, it got a lot of people hurt. And, I mean, it got a lot of people hurt. Got me hurt, you know. And it's funny. The only, the only two people that really survived that whole thing was me and Bradshaw. Everybody else kind of faded away after that. If you think about it, everybody kind of faded away after that. Oh, I mean, I know the people that they were looking to try to put over into it all. They, it, 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 it kind of all blew up in everybody's face, you know. It was supposed to be for Dr. Death to, you know, come out and be this, you know, incredible champion stuff like that. But, you know, that, uh, you know, being from the world of professional wrestling where you know what the outcome is going to be, you know, it's up to the athletes that to, to conduct business to, to make it happen in their own magical type of ways. But, uh, you know, that broad fraud just, I, I still remember when all the road agents gathered up all the talent and they brought us into the cafeteria room. And then they started to explain this concept of this brawl for all. And then uh, they said that the only two people that are not allowed, they said, was Ken Shamrock and Dan Sever. And then one of the road agents had to be standing right next to me. I go, well, do I need to be in here for any more of this meeting? He says, nope, you can go. I left. So I, I, didn't, I wouldn't even stay in the cafeteria to hear the rest of it. And it was like, I don't know, two, three, four weeks later, all I am doing is I'm just laying on a bench. You know, again, waiting around to see you. And will I be working tonight or will I not be working tonight? Really? I didn't yes. know that. And, and one of the road agents, Cam, comes in and he simply says, would you like to fight in the brawl for all? And I just simply just said, against who and how much? He just, <laughs> he just you know, said, and gave me a price. I go, sure. But, but I told him, I said, I don't want to wear any gloves. And, and he said, but he goes, but you can't, you can't. Punch, I go, I said, I will never, I told him, I said, I will never throw a single punch. I go, I'm just going to go out there and just show you what a, an actual wrestler can do. Because I always tell people, hey, Charles, when, when I went to the Ultimate Fighting Championship, I was nothing more than a one-trick pony going into the Ultimate Fighting Championships. I had no boxing background. I had no, no, these things were, I was never going to win a, 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 a fight with my hands. But I always said, told the people, you have to be within arm's reach to punch me, legs range to kick, knee elbow. And I go, I'll just stay a little out of range. People, they throw, they recoil back. As they recoil back, I just be move on up to either, either clinch, takedown, or shoot in for takedowns and, or jam them up against 
cage ropes or cage fences. And I go, that, literally, that was the simple theory. I went into the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So literally going out there even for the brawl for all is like going, well, well what am I going to do with these 18-ounce gloves on here right now? I, you know, because it's going to really impede me in my abilities of what I could do. Like, like you said, with me, it was just, they said, how much? They were like, we'll pay you this much if you fight this much you win. I just said, okay. That's about all the thought I put to, put, put to it. I wish I would have took it more serious on the second half than I did. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, I mean, Bart's knocking people out. And, you know, I've been home doing my normal, getting high, just relaxing, not going. I, you know One Kick Nick, right? And one Kick Nick in Vegas? No, I don't. Anyway, he's, he's trying to get me to go down there and practice. And I'm like, nah, I'll be all right, all right. I wish I would have took it a little bit more serious, which I know it doesn't make any sense. But I wish I would have took it a little bit more serious than I did. Yeah, like I said, you you had the time of your life though with all those other characters and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, it was just the payday for me. I'm like, well, I'll go as far as I can and make some money. What well, the hell? You did good. I mean, the first, I mean, Dan just smothered you in the first, like he said, he came in and he just well, again, I, well, I, I the, the respect was the fact that I know that if I give if I give the godfather any room to move and breathe. He's going to swap me, okay? <laughs> so you can simply say it's out of respect, knowing that I am not going to win this game. He's going to tear me apart, so I need to move in and, and, and just impede that ability. Looks like he so, got you a few times, Dan. Well, no, he, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. You, you still have to get in. You, you're, going to, you're going to take a little punishment, kind of close you that, that, that distance. So I was just trying to count. Like, I know he's going to shoot. I'm going to try to catch him coming in. Yeah, well, again, that's, After that, if I was coached against myself, I would have been telling the exact same thing, you know. You're actually the only one that took him down, Dan. I remember, like, yeah, you, on everyone else, you, yeah, they couldn't get you. You didn't let anyone else take you down. Well, I mean, later on, Bart got you down. But, you know, it took him 13 tries that he, you took, some, like, 13 shots in the, before you went down. Who did? You did. And that was Bart. I remember. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I remember. I it just, wasn't until later somebody's like, "You got to sprawl, you idiot! Stop trying to." And I'm like, "Okay, I was never a wrestler, man. I mean, I never learned wrestling. Yeah. I'm just a barroom brawler that's learned how to hit a bag and learned how to hit a speed bag and learned a couple of things. But I don't, you know, I'm no professional fighter. That was a stupid idea. And with yeah. Butterbean, I was with Butterbean and Dwayne Gill, and not like just before he bought, he fought Bart. And he's like, guys, I mean, he said, listen, no matter what you think about me, I've had over 100 professional fights. How many of you guys had? And he goes, you're not professional fighters. You guys might be tough guys. But he said, I'm going to take Bart out quick. And I told Vince, I'm going to take him out quick. Vince is like, take him out. You know, and he's like, because you guys, you, you know, that's like Dan. You guys are professional fighters. You know what to do. I mean, we're not professional fighters. We're just big old dummies, you know, that think we're tough <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i did watch that match with him him and the butterbean there and uh, i mean it was brutal what uh butterbean did to him so but i mean but but that just like i said butterbean just but by the time he started to coil all that uh, that body weight into a shot i mean it, it could be just just a, a shot to the body and that's going to put put you out there alone yeah. no matter what you think of him the dude's had over 100 professional fights yes Why bad idea though 
Yeah. yeah. I've, 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 I just, I, I think, I think I'm thankful that it didn't harm me. It, it, you know, for what happened and the whole thing, I'm one of the few people that it didn't harm. And you still got hurt, right? You said like you, your leg, oh, I got your hurt quad, bad, you tore your quad. Got, right? The first time he knocked me down, man, I blew out my whole leg. Ooh. And I don't mean, I mean, my knee, my thigh, my hip. Yeah, man. And you yeah, still I got, got up. God, I don't know how you, how do you get up and go back in there? And Stupid. You guys are crazy. that's what don says too the same thing yeah, yeah well. stupid oh. <laughs> well, men have that tendency of doing no. uh, things like that <laughs> i can do yeah, it. Just, i can do it we were raised at a different time and you got a different mindset and stupid yeah. i would tell my son don't do any of these things i've done don't be an idiot like me <laughs> Wow. So, so how was um how was Japan? How'd Japan? Like, yeah, how'd you like working in Japan? You know what? I like Japan. It was stiff and I was green, so it was easy for me to work over there because it was stiff. Yeah. You know? And uh, it was easier for me to work because nobody bitched about you laying it in, and I didn't bitch if they laid it in. Who, who well, you, I, I imagine though also with? with with your size though Charles they 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 had to love you because they, you know they uh, they love they love the big American wrestlers you know so they had to love you just for your sheer size and, and then being stiff on top of that come on now you're giving them well cherry on top well what happened is Leon and uh, Vader and and uh, Stan Hansen were there and I had a match with Muda or Chono or one of them guys, I don't remember. And they kind of lit me up a little bit. And when I came back, Bam Bam and Stan pulled me to the side like, hey, you can't let that happen. If you let them light you up like that, they're going to really start lighting you up. They said, when you lock up tomorrow, as soon as you lock up with that guy, you jaw check him as hard as you can. Whack! Lay one in on him and let him know. And he says, they won't fuck with you no more. So I, I laid it in. I laid a couple in. And oh, Okay, okay, okay. We worked, we worked, and that's what happened. And from that time on, I didn't have no more problems. I didn't mind a little stiff, but they were lacing. I can't think of the one guy's name that threw hard kicks. He was kind of heavy set. I can't think of his name, but he threw hard ass kicks and he was lacing me with them. I don't know. It don't even matter. No, it don't even matter. Did you ever get slapped by a Noki? No, no, no. I worked for Noki, but I didn't work. Yeah, I worked that side. What was that? New Japan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't, that, the other one was all Japan, I think. I worked for New Japan. Okay. Yep. How, how long were you in Japan? Uh, two or three or four different times, like two, three months at a time. Yeah. And then I, did, I went over there. I was working in Germany and I flew over there and did a show with Ludwig Borga. I think me and no one flew over there to do a show over there, you know. Obviously, the Godfather is your favorite. It was your favorite gimmick, but you know, besides that, like, what what did you enjoy doing the most? Besides the Godfather, yeah, like, like, and was it like with time with the nation, or just like you said, your Papa Shango um, time? Papa Shango was cool. I was too green. I was a biker. I wasn't used to being a voodoo voodoo man, so I kind of screwed that up. The nation was cool. Being in the nation was fun. I was having fun every day. That's why I stuck around. For me, wrestling was never about the money. The money was great, 
but I always was making money in the strip clubs. Even though when I was wrestling, I was still one of the owners. So I was still making money. So I could survive without wrestling. The money was cool, but I could survive without it. So uh, it was fun to me. So when wrestling, you, that's why you'd see me come and go. If I wasn't having fun, I'm like, dude, I ain't having fun. I ain't making much money. I'm going through tables every night. I could be at home looking at titties every night and making more money than this. And that's what you, and then they would call me and try to get me to come back. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Then I'd go back. And then if it wasn't having fun, I would leave. And I was like, Vince, I got to go, bro. I'm like, he would just laugh at me because he knew I wasn't going nowhere else. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, that's why you'd see me come and go. And, um, and that was the, if from the nation, you planted the Godfather name, right? To the rock. You had him call you the Godfather. In, in a um, me and my wife were working on it. These hats that I wear, like if you, I don't know if you can see the inside of that, but it says Godfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it shows. It shows the, the Godfather. Yes. Okay. These are called Godfather hats, and I used to wear them all the time. Anyway, I was to wear black ones. So I told the Rock one day, I'm like, all I used to say was, "Power to the nation," and uh, that's all I said. And so I'm like, "Hey, Rock, when you address me." Call me the Godfather. He's like, what? I'm like, just call me the Godfather. So he's like, am I man the Godfather here? And uh, from that point on, everybody just started calling me Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. So then what, you took a little break from the from the nation, and then that's when you came back as uh, the, the No, I never Godfather, took a break. Or? From no? the nation, I went right into the Godfather. Yeah. Oh, that's and right, because they, they broke up. And then I that's got right. hurt in the brawl for all. I got hurt. And then they put me, I was out for like five months, four months. I was out for a while. Yeah. And then I came back as the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's right. The nation broke up and everything, all that. Angle. Yeah. What, what I, what I like about your character, uh, Charles, was I, I remember being in, I, I forget what, what flight this was, but it, it's one of the flights there for with, with all the various wrestlers from WWF and, uh, and you, 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 you had this, this smile and grin on your face when they're asking for your pre-boards and stuff like that, and you pulled out your, your, your cane out there, and you started walking out up to the front of that line, and you just looked back <laughs> at other boys, kind of did a little wink and a smile, and went right out of that plane, like <laughs> first class all the way. <laughs> Come on, I'm the godfather. Yeah. <laughs> if you got a cane, you might as well use it. Well, no, you 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 were a worker there. It's like, oh, this, this man knows worker, how to work the up. system. <laughs> Believe me, I'm still a worker. <laughs> that's what i mean you you had you had fun with that character i mean in and out of the ring so it was uh i i could just tell you just you just had a lot of fun with that character just it uh that you had too big of a smile for all the stuff that you were doing there so yeah i had a very I, good time and the thing i'm still having a good time we're not in the stripper club anymore now it's not the whole train anymore it's the smoke train the smoke trains. Well, it's still, but, uh, that keeps, yeah, that man, keeps you still... pretty happy though, too, as well. So it, it takes the alleviates paid, and you don't have very many worries at that point in time. Brother, Relax, I so. am I am in heaven. I am blessed. I am in a happy place. That's why we're gonna move here pretty soon to a more rural rural area and just kind of kick it, man. And I'm gonna be on the second part of my life, me and my wife, just me, her, and my dogs. All my kids are grown. So I'm gonna get a nice little piece of land and maybe grow some of my little funny flowers and just kick it, man. Just go out, go out smiling and having fun. 
this, do you uh, do you actually have any like social media? Is it that that if people want to get in touch with you for bookings or speaking engagements? Uh, if you, you want to book you, I have it's called it's godfatheredbooking at gmail.com. If you'd like to book me, godfatheredbooking at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram as the godfather verified. I'm on there a lot and I do most of my stuff on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. I'm the WWE Godfather, but I'm not too active on there. I'm, I'm very active on my Instagram. Yes, you should definitely check it out. He's and if you're in California, family. get by Dr. Green Thumb Dispensaries and pick up some good ass smoke. Hey, is, is it only available in California though right now? Only in California. I mean, it's testing at 32%. Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> so I got a question about um, this Powerbomb pizza. Uh -huh. um, so what's what's the deal with that? And how how does that work? Is, is it? Is That's so Ryan over places? at Pro Wrestling Tees. He started up this deal where he got with Uber and, and different pizza companies where you can go on Uber Eats and order a theme pizza, a theme wings, and uh, from a local pizzeria, and they deliver it to you. And then, of course, you get a little percentage of the money, but that's all it is with me. I just got a check from them, though, not, not too long ago. Was, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, because it's selling. Yeah, it's, it's, it looks pretty interesting because they got a bunch of different, like, they got. I'm the, I'm the Godfather's pepperoni pizza. Yeah, I was like, you got, and you got the pepperoni, the, the Godfather's pimping pepperoni pizza. Pimping pepperoni, pimpin pepperoni. baby. You can't beat I'm that. pushing that pie. Yep, that's awesome. And I mean, they got. Mick Foley has the four cheeses of Foley, you know. Uh, Kevin Nash just got one. RVD's got something. Yeah, yeah. R uh, RVD Eddie Guerrero, one. I think, has one. Uh, Vader, Vader has. I mean, there's a bunch of us. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. They. Um, Eddie Guerrero has wings. He has Eddie Guerrero's Latino Heat wings. I might have to try some of those. There's a place right. in Vegas here that I I, I so, called them one day and had some delivered here. Yeah, yeah. A couple Godfather pizzas. They didn't even know it was me. No, no, I didn't tell him. No, that's awesome. Yeah, and then you got Brutus the Barber Cheesecake. I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah. Rob Van Dam's is a. It's the Rob Van Dam. That's a lot of veggies pizza. That's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, if you have that. Or are you in, in, in Vegas? Get that now without giving your exact location. Are you close to the strip downtown area? Or are you live outside right now? Uh, I'm out by Aliante Golf Course. More north, okay. More north, yeah. I can say because I, I was just in, in Vegas just a couple weekends ago, just for the the, the UFC uh event that, that that they took place there. So I didn't know what I mean, it was a madhouse at that point, but I didn't know what what area that you lived into. So I've been I'm there 30 minutes north from the airport, a good 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, Vegas actually it, it's growing. I mean, it's uh it's growing out more and more. I think it's just one of those areas that uh people realize it's it, the weather's. Uh, decent and uh you know there's uh, some good amenities to the area i can't wait to get out of here i hate it here i've been here too long it's the desert i'm tired of the desert i'm tired of the heat i'm tired of not seeing green i'm tired of not seeing water i'm tired of not seeing snow so uh i'm tired you're, you're, you're tired of not seeing snow. I'm thinking that 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 might be a rude awakening, though. <laughs> no, I've lived in the snow before. I've lived in the snow before. I mean, we're, where we're going, it's, it only gets like 30 inches a year, and that's not that much. Oh, I can live with that. 
being from, from Michigan, it's kind of like going, I, I, I like living in Arizona because if I want to go see snow, all I got to do is drive two hours north. I can see it in Flagstaff during the winter months if I want to see snow. I've, uh, I I live that lifestyle. I'm in Michigan for you know spring, summer, fall, and then I skedaddle towards Arizona for the, the fall. Right. And well, like I said, this is the second half of my life. I'm just going to be chilling in the cabin. We're looking at more of a big log cabin house, and I'm just going to be chilling there anyway. So if it's snowing, I ain't going nowhere anyway. <laughs> I'll put some more firewood on the, you know, in the fireplace. So have you ever, have you ever, I mean, you've got such an interesting uh, life going on there. Has anybody approached you about doing a couple like mini documentaries or, 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 or a uh, book? All the, or... Time, all the time, I'm just not ready to do them. And I don't know when I will be ready, but I'm not ready. Well, I'm thinking when you, when you, might, when you get this cabin set up situation, that might be when you might want to start writing your, your memoirs at that point in time, when you're sitting around the fire. I, I've had a few people interested in me putting some stuff on paper or on videos that uh, I'm just not ready. Maybe for, maybe when I move and I settle down and I do it. But right now, I'm just, I'm having too much fun still. <laughs> well, it's good. I, I always say, you know, attitude goes a long way. There's some people I know, they just have, well, they, they got miserable, miserable attitudes. And they, they somehow, they just absorb even more miserable i think these are the people i try to stay away from all all the time you know life life, life is too short i mean it was life's too know. short and we've realized that as we've gotten older life's too short man and i'm gonna enjoy what i have left of it i'm gonna stay high stay motivated stay happy and, and hopefully stay healthy wow I, I got nothing to put with that there, Tony. I mean, that, 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 that's, like, that's like, you, who can ask for more, more out of life than, than that? That's, nope. uh, you know, the credenza. Boom. It looks like you're I doing know. all, you're, it sounds like you're doing all those things as well. I mean, no, yeah. daily, hourly. You're living, you're living the good life. Bro, I, 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 am, I am very blessed. I am very blessed. I'm very humble. I'm very blessed. And uh, life is good. Has yeah. Tony or I missed something that that uh, you would like to bring up that uh, we might have missed? Because, like I said, until I actually started like redoing your your biography, that it, it uh, uncovered some things that I did not know about you. But then, uh, is there something that uh, we missed that that you really want to bring up to the folks? Or ah, uh, we're good. I read my mouth enough. <laughs> I got one more question. Okay, where so. Where did you get all your hoes in every in every town you went to? Strip clubs. Yeah. Strip clubs. At first, when we first did it, me, Taker, and and uh, the Harris boys, they were Ron and Don Harris. They were in the biker group. Uh, we went the first two times. We went and all got girls, and then after that, they took it over. And then uh, Bruce Pritchard, I think, had it at first. And that was their job to get the girls and get it from strip clubs. Well, as it got over, then strip clubs would call them and say, hey, we got some girls for you. And then it got to the point where the strip club girls were acting too crazy, getting too wild. So Vince went to actresses. They were worse than the strippers. <laughs> wow. I had it so good, bro. I had it so good. Like what Vince would do is at TV, right? You know, did you ever stay at the TV hotels? Did you ever stay at 
with during TV, did you ever stay at the TV hotels? I, I don't think so. Okay, well, there's there's always a TV hotel where they put up all the staff and all the people and the wrestlers that they take care of, right? I'd always stay at the TV hotels. And so, Mao, you know how at TV you got to be there like 12, 30, 1 o'clock? Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, again, that's, so, well, but that's what they told that all the tell at that point. Yeah, that okay, but they would have the girls at TV, they would have the girls come to my hotel, okay, wherever the hotel was at. And then they'd have a limo pick us up around 4.30 because then that's all when all the people are coming in. So I'd be pulling in with the limo fully dressed with all the girls. But they'd have the girls meet me at 12 o'clock. So I'd have the girls drinking, partying. So all the boys would be going to TV at 12, 12.30 and they'd look out at the pool and I'm out at the pool smoking, drinking. I got all these, these girls with me having a time of my life. And the boys would just walk by and go, I don't believe this. And then Vince would walk by and go. <laughs> wow. Dude, that's, I had That's pretty cool. So much the, fun, bro. And that's pretty cool that even the boss recognizes he's having just too much fun being this character. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I bet Vince knows Vince is the biggest pip around. Well, that this, this, <laughs> this is true. Wow. Hi. So I know you, so back in stage, you ran with the BSK, the, the Bone Street crew, right? Mm -hmm. And could you give us maybe a funny story or something from Yokozuna? Yeah, uh, just, I, I, I tell so many stories. Some of them haven't come out yet. So I'm like, just Yoko was a good dude, man. And what, he was so big that he couldn't sleep laying down. He had to sleep standing up. But just a great dude, man. We had a lot of Jack Daniel with him. Uh, he had, he informed me one day he had to let me know I was black because I was listening to country music and chewing tobacco and he had to remind me that he told me one time I don't think you know you black <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I still listen to country music and all that type of stuff but just a great group of guys uh, I talked to Taker weekly I talked to those guys we're all on a uh, a Facebook chat, and I talked to Rikishi, the Godwin, Savio Vega. I, you know, I talked to Taker. We all talk a lot. Oh, excuse me, we text. Yes, yes. But it's all good, no man. It's all good. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Yokozuna was awesome. He's definitely one of my favorites. Good dude, he was. Good dude. Yeah. I, I think the funny scene was when he was he did that match, and. Uh, and he had Vince. <laughs> Vince was down, knocked down, back up, in the, up with the setup with the turnbuckle and stuff like that. And he brought back his butt. And Ooh. you you did not see Vince's head whatsoever. It got <laughs> consumed, consumed <laughs> in the, the Chikasauruses. Yes. The Chikasaur, those were good times back then. Yeah, I, that, I really that, that was so it. comical. I kept thinking, I'm thinking, I'll bet the boys put him up to doing something a little, little bit special for old Vincer that night. <laughs> Charles, it's been, it's been fantastic having you on the air. Basically, I'll just go into, this concludes another episode of Toxic Masculinity. And if we have to offend anybody here this evening, well, tough. You know, this is just our, our little fun time here to converse and talk about anything and everything. You've got the right to either, either watch us or not. 
that's the American way. That's how I look at things. So thank you for being a part of this episode this evening. Charles, continue to have a fantastic time in life. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on here. Appreciate everybody listening. You guys have no idea how much I enjoy you. So everybody keep smoking. Stay on that smoke train. Peace. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share or I'm going to come to your house.